As 2022 glides effortlessly towards its conclusion... I don't I don't think anyone's ever described 2022 as effortless or gliding, but let's go with it for now. I want to take a few moments to talk about my favorite stories of the year. Yes, this is a retrospectively sort of podcast for the Lunduke Journal, the Lunduke Journal podcast for December 29th, the year of our Lord 2022. There are so many things that have happened this year. News stories. Uh, historical pieces that have been published to the Lunduke Journal, satirical pieces, and I wanted to take a moment and wrap up my favorite ones, the ones that made me smile or laugh, the ones that I found the most legitimately interesting or that I felt were the most important. And I, I sat down and I said, I said, Lunduke, gosh darn it, create a top 10 list. <laughs> And I, I kind of succeeded in that. I got a top 12 list. I, I couldn't quite narrow it down to 10, but I got it down to 12, and that feels pretty great. And we're going to go through all of those today, and it's all over the map. It is all over the map from all across 2022. Like I said, it's every kind of article that I put out, and we're going to go through all of them today. Uh, I want to make one quick little little mention here. Uh, I don't want to belabor the point too much. However, right now, yesterday, no, no, this morning through tomorrow night, so through Friday night, December 30th, I'm making just for this little window the lifetime subscriptions to the Lunduke Journal available again. We had those available last summer, and then I, boop, I cut them off. Well, I've had a few people ask me if they could pick them up still, and so I decided, you know what, I'm just going to make them available for like a 48-hour window. There's no special sale on them or anything like that, but you can go and grab them right now. I've put a link in the notes for this show, in the article portion of this show, or if you go over to, if you just go to lunduke.locals.com slash subscription, you can go ahead and go in there and select the annual subscription option and uh, enter in the lifetime subscription amount. And how, how? And then automatically I'll get emailed about it and I'll set up your account so it'll become, it'll change from annual over to lifetime. And what that basically means is you don't ever have to pay for the Lunduke Journal again and you get full access to both the local side of things and the Substack side of things. So lunduke.locals.com, the community, and lunduke.substack.com as well. So you get you get all, all that all that good stuff. And how how much it costs is 300 bucks minus anything you happen to have already paid during this calendar year. So if you've paid you know, 50 bucks for a, an annual normal subscription in 2022, you can subtract that from the $300 amount for the lifetime subscription. And then uh, it also at from that point, boom, it's lifetime forever. So it's, it's, it's a pretty sweet deal if you're going to be hanging around for a while. If you're like, I don't like nerdy things and I won't be reading about nerdy things come February. Well, then it's probably not a good deal for you. But <laughs> if you plan to be super 
super nerdy and hanging out around here for any length of time it probably is a good way to long-term save money plus then you don't have any like recurring charges that you have to take care of anyway uh so that's that's that uh there's a link in there go go grab that again it ends on uh friday night i'm gonna i'm gonna make it so people can't do those anymore uh but uh for now if you want to grab one go for it if not it's okay too if you like spending more money in the long run don't grab one (laughs) all right let's dive in we got again this is a top 12 list of all of my favorite stuff for the year and this is not in any particular order because I'll be honest, I tried to rank these. I initially started putting them in order so that I could have my, you know, big build up to my favorite article of the year. The problem was I couldn't decide what my favorite one was. I got it narrowed down to like eight and I'm like, oh, I can't have a, I can't have an eight way tie for the best article or show or whatever for the year. That just doesn't work. So this is in no particular order. Okay, number one, and this one's a recent one, the Firefox money article, investigating the bizarre finances of Mozilla. I felt like this was an important piece to get out there, and I worked on this one for a while, and it amazes me that this story isn't getting talked about more. And, And I don't mean that from the point of view of people covering my coverage of it, but what I'm amazed about is that no other tech journalism website, tech news site of any kind, has touched on this general topic. Nobody has seemed to load up Firefox's, or Mozilla's, sorry, uh, financials. And they're, they're mostly public. I wish more of it were public, because honestly, there's a whole lot of iffiness in there. But no one seems to have touched on it. And for such a, a, an important company. I mean, they make Firefox for heaven's sakes, and they are a a household name in all of nerddom and beyond. The fact that no one is investigating them boggles my mind. Could you imagine if Microsoft were a, you know, a, a nonprofit organization and they had to publish all the same sorts of details that Mozilla does? People would be going over that with a fine-tooth comb looking for everything they could nitpick, right? It's same with Apple. In fact, people do. When, when, when Apple and Microsoft unveiled their quarterly reports, which, you know, leave a lot of detail out, people go over it in detail. But Mozilla, for some reason, gets a pass, even though they are a billion-dollar company. Why is that? So I, I feel like this was an important piece. I, I'm really proud of how it turned out. And I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that it's going to spur on additional conversations and additional reporting by others. Because I, I can't be the only one reporting on stuff like this. I can't be the only tech journalist out there. I can't be the only one left. That just doesn't work that way. I mean, I, 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 as much as I, 
It just doesn't work that way. All right, moving on. Um, also, one of the other recent ones is, and this is a satirical piece, is breaking news. The London Journal predicts a 37% more, 37% more buzzwords in 2023. I just really like how this one turned out. Uh, there's a lot of set satirical pieces that I wrote over the year that made me smile. But this one, there's something about this one that made me giggle a lot. You know, there, I have other satirical pieces that had more jokes in them. Um, I had a few pieces that I wrote that had a whole bunch of like fake Twitter conversations and all sorts of stuff that were, I thought, pretty amusing. But this one, there's just something about it that just tickled my funny bone. So I, I had to include it here. Number three. The computers to you used to do the 3D animation for Final Fantasy VII back in 1996, and this one was, this one was fun for me to do. Because what I did is there's this famous picture of the 3D animators that were working on Final Fantasy VII, which I mean is a great game. And they were working on Final Fantasy VII, and this is this picture of all their workstations in front of them. And I thought it would be a fun thing to do is to kind of go spelunking, right? Do a little bit of <laughs> cave diving, essentially, and some digital computer archaeology and forensics to figure out what all is in front of them. Like what computers are in front of them, what operating systems, what software. And I did a pretty good job. I, I think I got it all pretty well nailed down. And it was a ton of fun to do. And I, I really, I really enjoyed doing that. It was just a, it was a blast. It was, it's kind of like, uh, it's like my version of an escape room. Like, here's a picture. Name all of the computers, operating systems, and software, including revision numbers for everything in the picture, even though it's grainy and low res. Like, that to me is, is a fun day. That's, that's my idea of a really fun afternoon, which uh, means I probably have the correct job for me. Number four, Linus Torvalds threatens to punish developers by putting rust in the Linux kernel. This was also a satirical piece based on an entirely real news story. I, <laughs> this, this one made me pretty happy, too. Hold on, I'm going to bring this up here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I really didn't want to have to do this, stated Torvalds. Quote, you all screw around too much. Maybe a little time with rust will teach you a lesson. <laughs> Oh, quote, at least it isn't Pearl, stated one kernel developer. My last manager disciplined us with Pearl and Regex. I mean, don't get me wrong, we probably had it coming, but that was brutal. <laughs> that one really made me giggle, too. <laughs> and now now here we are, and people are doing some uh, some kernel module development in Rust, and... Oh heavens, the rust, the rust thumping is 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 only ramping up. It's, which is probably going to get made fun of more by the Lunduke Journal in 2023. Nothing against rust. Uh, just the evangelism is very entertaining. Number 5. Desk View X, the forgotten mid 1990s OS from the future. This one was awesome. All right, so one of the things that I love that I get to do is find old pieces of software, old operating systems, whatnot, and that people have just all but forgotten and shed a light on them and show them the, to the world and show everyone how cool they were 
and DeskView X is one of them. And DeskView X, what it is, it is an operating system that sits on top of DOS, right? So you just like Windows 3.1, where you know you load up DOS and then you you know you type Win and bam, there's Windows, right? And so you could say, well, it's not really an operating system, is it? DOS is the operating system. It's just an application. Well, DeskView X is so much. It provides so much functionality that calling it an application or uh, an environment that sits on top of DOS just does not do it justice. Full preemptive multitasking, a complete X server, total X server, server and client, all in the same system. It can run Windows 3.1 and DOS and X server ported applications all in the same environment it it has so much functionality that it's it's kind of amazing like i'll be honest with you if deskview x had modern drivers for networking and sound and video i mean because it had a networking stack and, and it had everything if it had that it would be a totally viable and interesting operating system today not kidding. Absolutely not kidding. Take a look at it. Go go click on that article. Look at the screenshots. Look at the feature set that this thing has. And think about how it can be used. And it's going to blow your mind. I mean, what's great is because it can act both as a client and a server for X, you can have, say, um, uh, a FreeBSD or Linux machine running X server running Xorg, and you can connect to your DeskView X system, and you can run applications on one and view them and interact with them on the other machine, which means you can run Windows 3.1, a full instance of it, in a window in DeskView X and use it from a Linux box. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's, it's totally a powerful machine. And what blows my mind is it installs quickly and easily. It's probably the easiest to install X servery based operating system I've ever installed. And this all comes from the mid nineties. Brilliant. I mean, the fact that it failed is an utter travesty. It was amazing, but it's dead. <laughs> it's still really cool though. Um, number six, and this one, I feel like I just I had to put in here. Linux sucks 2022. That was a fun one. Uh, so if you want to go watch that, click on the Linux sucks 2022 link. Go go watch it. It's, if you haven't watched it yet, it's it was it was a fun show. It was a fun show. You know, it's still not. It's still not the in-person shows. We got to get back to that. I, I mean, there's some conferences have started spinning up, but. Uh, they've they've had some restrictions and whatnot on them that have meant that I can't go to some of them. And so I'm hoping that in 2023 that I can do this show live in front of a live audience. That's that's the real hope. Um, th- th- honestly, that was my hope for this last summer was that I can start doing shows in front of live audiences again. And we've been working towards that. Uh, but there's just been so many complications and so many requirements and Oh, it, 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 like, you know, they, anyway, anyway, I don't want to get into all that, but suffice to say, hopefully in 2023, we can do this show among others in front of a live audience at one of the regional Linux and, and related events. But the 2022 show was still a lot of fun. Uh, we had a, had a good time. Number seven, we've got another satirical piece. Local man switches to arch. 
tells no one. <laughs> I mean, that's basically the whole joke. The headline was the whole joke for that one. It just made me happy. Number eight, the Wendon DOS story. The forgotten multitasking multi-user DOS clone from the 80s. Holy heavens, was this a fascinating story. If you haven't read this one yet, go back and read it. It was wild. Wendon DOS and, and uh, Wendon VMS and everything, these were operating systems that existed in the 1980s, were developed by this really tiny company. Basically, these just three guys, really, really two guys. They developed this in the 1980s. It was this amazing multi-user, multitasking operating system construction kit that they that they built on top of uh, a VMS clone that they developed and then they built in DOS compatibility on top of that resulting in what they called Wendon DOS so you could ha- run MS-DOS compatible software in a multi-user multitasking environment in the 80s it was amazing and it and it and it failed spectacularly it it, it as a commercial product it just slowly slowly died it never gained that traction that it that it honestly that it deserved i managed to track down the the main developer behind wendon dos and a lot of those tools and have an interview with him inside the article about how it all came to be and what he did after that and it's it just was fascinating again one of the things i love is is being able to shine a light on these pieces of computer history that are quickly just being forgotten and thank thank heavens we're we're able to to record these you know while a lot of the people are still alive while we still have access to a lot of the materials and the 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 documents and thank heavens for places like archive.org for for cataloging all the old like bite magazines and whatnot that have allowed me to to go back through and just kind of scour as many old issues as I can as quickly as possible to find the old articles and reviews and advertisements for things like Wendon does I, I include a lot of them inside the article there and you know hopefully that allows us to preserve them that information, that uh, that snapshot of what things were like in the computing industry from that from the 1980s, for future generations. Uh, hopefully, we get to. Uh, it was pretty pretty amazing. Uh, number nine. Number nine was a news story that blew my mind. It was just truly weird. Uh, I call this article the wild events that nearly took down the QB64 project, but thankfully didn't. And this this happened earlier in 2022. QB64 is a quick basic clone. It's open source, and it compiles for Windows, Linux, and uh, uh, and Mac OS, and Mac OS, and Mac OS. And, you know, it comes with the IDE and, you know, it's full, fully compatible with QuickBasic 4.5 from Microsoft, the, the kind of classic QuickBasic. And just this huge, crazy, wild turn of events that just almost completely destroyed this open source project and community. And it didn't, thankfully. But it, it was amazing. People, you know, people got involved and passed off ownership of one thing to a different person. And, and that person just went nuts. And it was crazy. And so I spent some time talking to the community, digging through to just document what the heck happened. And why I really wanted to do that was not just because QB64 
was an interesting project. And it is. It's an interesting project. But it was a great case study in what can go wrong in an open source project that could potentially destroy the project. Because it's possible. You know, a lot of a lot of times we think, well, you know what? It's, if something's open source, it continues to live on, right? Because you know, if something goes wrong or whoever owns it or has the copyright on it, uh, you know, you know, goes cranky and does something weird to it. Well, no big deal. We can just fork it and continue. It's open source, right? It turns out things aren't quite, quite as simple as I think a lot of us want to believe. There are so many ways you can effectively destroy a project, cause it to just come grinding to a halt. And it really nearly happened with this one. And I kind of document how that went down because hopefully people can, can learn from that. All right. Number 10, number 10. And this one I love because of the mystery of it all. W the window system before X that nobody seems to remember. Okay. So X windows, right? The X server that is, uh, De facto, that is the de facto across so many Unixy like environments, BSDs, Linux, all of it. Uh, Desk View X, right? The X window system is is a core thing. Well, X is X is named X and is designed like X because of the window system that it replaced, called W. But here's the wild thing about W. Nobody can find details about it anywhere. There is that a W window system that was created in the 1990s that has no relation to the original W window system. And every time people talk about the original 1980s W window system, they include screenshots of this 1990s window system that literally has absolutely no relation to the original W window system. But because it's called W window system, everyone just uses it. And they think, oh, well, that's what it looked like. But it's not. W ran on a system called V. <laughs> and it existed. And it, and it was real. But it was replaced. And if I was not able to find a single verifiable screenshot of it, nor was I able to find a verifiable binary of it, so this is this is the crazy thing. In order to properly and effectively document not just how it looked, this original W window system, but how it worked, uh, what are the differences between W and X, all of that, we have to get one of two types of old computer hardware that are not currently emulated. There are not emulators for these systems. Get the systems up and running. Now, the operating systems themselves are available and properly archived. However, the W window system for those operating systems, for V, is not. There are so many hurdles to properly documenting this system. And it's it's kind of, I have this list. I have this list of uh, that I have of, of my dreams of what I would love to be able to do to document. 
and it is basically near the top of it is to purchase the hardware that runs the operating system that the W Windows system ran on and get it up and running and find binary releases of the W Windows system. One day I'm going to make that happen and I'm going to document the living snot out of it. Because nobody has. And it is amazing that nobody has. And you, if when you look around the internet, there are people that believe they have. Because they, found, they did a quick Google search and they found the one in the 1990s developed by a different guy that looks nothing like it in theory and has nothing to do with the, the original that, that shares a name with it. Crazy. It's crazy to me that something so pivotal to the history of computing is all but lost. Now, those, now that information, it, it must exist somewhere. We need to find it before it's too late. We need to find it before we lose it entirely, before the hardware stops working, before we lose the magnetic medium that the, that the, that particular code lives on. And so that is one of those things that hopefully over the, the coming years, I can get all the pieces and parts together and show the world what W looks like. Record some videos, take a billion screenshots and pictures, document the heck out of it so that we can say this is what it was. This is what became X. It's, it's a dream anyway. Number 11, and, and these last two, are really kind of all together for me. The first one is, who is the real first computer programmer? And the second one is, the story of the first computer bug is a pile of lies. (laughs) I love, these are the last two, I love debunking myths. Because in, in the computing world, like in so many other, you know, parts of society... We love a good story. We do. We, we love a really great story. And when you, when you sit down and want to tell the story about, let's say, where computer bugs came from. How did the computer bug gets it, get its name? Well, well, a moth flew into a computer and caused a problem. And it was a bug. And so we called it the first computer bug. Okay. It's a fun story, right? Is it the real story? No, it's that's totally not. That is like it is it is a real story, but it's not the story of the term. It's not it's not where we started calling computer bugs bugs. It's not it's not any of that. It, the fact that people think that that moth that flew into the machine is why we call defects in software bugs. Well, they've been lied to. And, and that, that, that falsehood, that myth, that lie gets repeated so often that that becomes the truth. Most places all over the internet, from Wikipedia to uh, articles on the computer bugs to this particular story to uh, thousands of posts on social media and videos on YouTube, all repeat that same myth over and over and over again. And they're all wrong. But they keep repeating it. <laughs> they don't stop. So I I feel like 
part of my duty, and it's a big duty, is to go out there and debunk those myths. To, to show everyone what the real history of computers is. It's, 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 it's like with the first computer programmer. So many people over and over talk about Ada Lovelace, Lady Ada, being the first computer programmer. Unfortunately, despite her being pretty cool, she wasn't. She just wasn't. There is, there is no way to define computer programmer where she is the first one. It's just, it's, you have to do so many bits of mental gymnastics to try and convince yourself that, that Ada Lovelace was the first computer programmer. So many other people are in line before her in terms of defining who becomes the first computer programmer. Not least of which is the fact that the computer she programmed for didn't exist. Also, that she wasn't the first programmer for it. At best, she was the third. So even if you want to say that Babbage's invention, which did not physically exist and could not be used to run software, right? Even if you assume that, that that, that being the first one, and that, that her writing, quote, software for it counts as, the, as original computer programs, as original software development, she wasn't the first one to do it. So she can't be the first computer programmer. Oh, my heaven. So, you know, I, I just, I want to put the truth out there. And it is amazing to me, in both, both of these cases, in both of these articles, I got a lot of hate for writing these pieces. I got yelled at. I got emails. Oh, my goodness. People did not like that I, that I said these things. And, and you'll note as you go through those articles, how glowingly I talk about everybody. But it's just, I mean, Lady, Lady Eight is cool. She's just not the first computer programmer. She's an early example of a computer enthusiast who did a great deal of translation and some original work in theoretical computing. She did. But she was not the first programmer. Just like the, the, the moth that flew, <laughs> flew into that computer that Grace Hopper was working on, well, that was not the first computer bug. Anyway, I, I've got a lot more of these coming up uh, in 2023. Because realistically, there's a lot of sacred cows. <laughs> there's a lot of myths. There's a lot of legends in the computing world that need to get picked up like a, like a priceless vase and dashed upon the floor into a million pieces <laughs> i'm gonna be like a bowl in a china shop uh so i got some more coming up because why not right if anyone thinks of anyone any that you're like you know what this this it seems like a myth to me this can't possibly be true let me know let me know i've got a couple that are that are already on my list that once i get around to to having some time to properly debunk them to sit down and really show everyone in detail why they're debunked but hey i can always use more more de more myths to debunk mean more people made cranky by my articles so that's a win right there <laughs> so anyway there's there's my favorites 
from 2022. There, there was a lot more. There's so many uh, satirical pieces that I, I wanted to include, but I, I can't just list 12 satirical pieces as my 12 favorites. There's a couple more news items that I thought were really exciting but didn't quite make the cut. Uh, there's, I mean, shoot, look at what's happening with Haiku and Serenity. And oh my gosh, so many interesting things are happening this year. It's an honest to goodness, really interesting time to be alive as a computer enthusiast, as a software developer, as a nerd who just identifies with computing. It is an amazing and interesting time to be alive. It really, really is. And so we'll keep talking about all the new stuff. We'll keep talking about all the stuff from years gone by that deserves to get properly cataloged. And we'll keep making fun of things and and goofing off and, and telling nerdy dad jokes along the way. So thank you, everyone, for hanging out with me in all of 2022. Uh, I really, really, it, it's been a it's been a wild ride. And I am so thankful that I get to do this for my job. It is it is the dream job. It is an absolute dream. So thank you all for making it possible. Uh, all right. Uh, so sh- quick shout out to everyone over at the uh, locals at lunduke.locals.com. You remain the greatest place to hang out on the intertubes. So nerdy, so family friendly, so goofy and supportive. And you always make a point of being excellent to each other. So love all of you. You're all fantastic. For all the subscribers over at lunduke.substack.com, you help keep the lights on here. You help make all all these articles and the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds more. Couldn't I couldn't do any of this without you? How how many articles came out during the course of uh, of twenty twenty two? I don't even know. It's so many. It's so many. Uh, but it's all because of all of you. Uh, I could not do this. I if it weren't for all of you, I would not have the time and resources to make this happen. But because of you, I can. And I can do it without any advertising, without taking any money from stupid big tech, any corporate media. No one can tell me what to write about. Well, except for you guys. If you guys all stand up together and as a chorus of a thousand voices <laughs> yell at me to do one particular thing, well, you guys can probably tell me what to do. But no, no CEO can. No company can say, hey, we're going to pull your funding, Lunduke. I'm like, you can't pull my funding. My funding comes like grains of sand in the wind. It is all over the earth. (laughs) It is all of you. It's fantastic. All right. Uh, Again, Friday night. Uh, the whole lifetime subscription thing uh, stops. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't stop. If you pick up your lifetime subscription before that point, you have it forever, just like all of you that already do have one. Uh, so if you want it, go pick it up now. Uh, I've got a link to how to do that over on lunduk.locals.com and in the bottom of the uh, uh, the article for this podcast. Go click on that. Uh, grab it. It's worth it. Uh, it helps support what I do. Um, and, and actually, actually, it really does support what I do. So here we are. It is December 29th as I'm recording this. And we are at 94% right now away from hitting our our end of the year like uh, subscription and revenue goals. 94%. And we're do- again, we're doing it all without any advertising, any sponsorships, nothing, nothing but subscriptions from folks like you. And that's pretty awesome. 
If a couple of you go grab a few more lifetime subscriptions and a couple more people grab a few go uh, go grab a few uh, standard yearly or monthly subscriptions, uh, you know what? I think that I think that might just do it. I mean, it's it we're we're close. We're ninety four percent of the way there, which means you have six percent of the way to go. Last I checked, as of as of this morning, and uh, it might be closer now, but ninety four percent, not bad. So thank you to all of you for helping make that possible. It's absolutely fantastic. I, I was worried. I thought, was it earlier this week? I thought, man, we were at 80-something percent of the way to that goal. And, you know, we got to make sure we still run this like a business, despite the fact we don't take any money from the big companies and whatnot. And I, I was a little worried. I'm like, oh, you know what? I don't really want to do a sale. And I, I don't want to, I also don't want to do like a big thing where I annoy everybody by just like, like repeating over and over again that we need to get some more subscriptions or whatnot. Like, I, uh, and I don't really want to do like a telethon or something. I'm like, will we make those numbers? I'm like, it's going to be close. I mentioned it. Once, twice. I mentioned it twice. And boom, we're already 6% away. And we have, what, you know, two, three days to go? I think we're going to make it. We should go, we should cross that 100% line. And that's amazing. Like, I, like I'll mention this here, and I don't, I don't think I'll have to mention it again. I don't, I don't think I'm going to send out another email. I don't have to post a post anywhere. I don't think I'll have to mention a pot. That's it. We're done. We hit our, hit our goals. Move on. Awesome. We're, we're now at that place where we're, where we as a community, as a, as a publication, whatever you want to call this crazy thing we do, we're now mature enough that we, we have, we don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to, we don't have to, to scrape by and fight tooth and nail to stay in business. Amazing. Amazing. So thank you to all of you for making that, that possible. Go, go grab the lifetime subscription if you want it. Again, it, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let anyone get new ones after, uh, after midnight Friday night. So the midnight December 30th, I'll, I'll just cut that off. Um, of course, if you get it after, if you get something after that, you know, the, the standard yearly subscription is still pretty darn fancy. <laughs> um, all right. I think that's it. I think that's it. This will be the last podcast before New Year's Eve. I just want to say Happy New Year's to everybody. It's been a great time. You've been a great group of nerds to hang out with. And I hope you have a really great New Year's Eve. I hope you get to 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 ring it in in style, however it is you do that. For me, it'll probably be uh, getting the kids to bed and falling asleep by 9, 930 or so. <laughs> That's what, we, that's what we do. Uh, what can I say? I, I, I like sleeping, so it'll, that's probably how I'll do it. But I will celebrate as if New Year's, as if midnight has hit. I come about 9, 9.30, when me and my wife are just too tired, and we can't watch any more TV. We must sleep. Uh, but however you ring in the new year, I hope you have a great time. I hope you get to do it with all the people that you love, your friends, your family, whether they're online, in person, wherever they are. I hope you have a great time. All right, everybody. With that, I will bid you adieu and head off into this dark world. <laughs> See you later, everybody.